Welcome to In the Seams, a podcast by Broken and Mended, with your host, David Heflin. Well, hello. I want to welcome you back to In the Seams, a podcast that is hosted by Broken and Mended. And I am your, uh, I guess, personal host today, David Heflin, the president and founder of Broken and Mended Incorporated. And this is a ministry that is especially for those with chronic pain and illness, or even those who may be interested in knowing how to better support and encourage their loved ones or friends who are suffering with chronic pain and illness. If you've not listened to our first podcast, certainly I invite you to go back and do so. In it, I introduce our ministry and the show, and I talk a little bit about my own story and how it led to the ministry called Broken and Mended. If you go back and listen to that, you're not going to hear a lot of bells and whistles. I'm still learning to do a podcast, and so it was just me speaking into my microphone and my my headsets. Uh, I have since, though, added an editor that will help with this episode going forward. Uh, it's going to make these podcasts flow a little bit better, sound more professional. I'm glad to have the talented John Shields helping me out, who also happens to be my brother-in-law. And he's been in the podcast creation world for several years. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to f- the finishing touches he puts on each episode as I strive to get better at the content that we have to offer. And my goal is to have one of these up every other week. This has been over three weeks, even as I record this. And it's, it's, I don't know exactly what day I'll have it posted, but it has been uh, more than three weeks since I've recorded the first one. I confess uh, that I, you know, it's been, uh, been pretty busy. And so I'm still learning to get into that rhythm and looking to bring on some guests for interviews. And so I spent a little time communicating with potential guests and have some that will be coming on the show uh, in, in the near future that I'm excited about. And eventually I do anticipate falling into a regular schedule for both the blog and the podcast. And you can find both of these at brokenandmended.com. We have a tab there on that page that includes our podcast uh, or if you prefer, you can, of course, just get the podcast wherever you happen to get those. We're on Google Play and Apple Podcast as well as Spotify. should be able to find us. If you have trouble, at least in these early days, finding the podcast through Broken and Mended, actually, we should go look by the, the, the show. The show title is In the Seams. But you could also try looking under my name, David Heflin, H-E-F-L-I-N, if you have any trouble finding it, and it should should pull it up. Hopefully, as it gets listened to more, it'll it'll pop up uh, earlier um, at the top of the search page when people search for it. It's just me again for this go-around, and, and today I'm going to talk about a difficult subject uh, that's impacting people of, of faith who also suffer from chronic illness or pain. By the way, I use both those terms to be inclusive because not everybody who has chronic pain has a chronic illness. They could have gotten it from an injury. Uh, also, not everyone that has chronic illness has a has particular pain or what we might call pain, but they may suffer from something like fatigue which is still a very debilitating chronic illness. And so I'm just trying to be inclusive with those two terms. But today I'm going to talk about spiritual warfare and chronic illness. So in my campus ministry days in the late 90s, there was a lot of emphasis in my ministry and in ministries like mine in spiritual warfare. And I can remember going through a book by an author named Joe Beam. And Joe was in the Church of Christ, uh, so Church of Christ context, 
and he had written a book called Seeing the Unseen. And it was a nonfiction book attempting to survey the biblical material on spiritual warfare and to add some practical advice and strategy to how we engage spiritual warfare. Uh, the reason why Joe wrote that book is reflected in what a lot of us experience, like myself, growing up in Churches of Christ. Uh, and, and I was also, as I said, in that time in a campus ministry that was a Church of Christ ministry. And we did not put a lot of emphasis on the aspects of spiritual uh, spiritual experience, experiential aspects of Christianity. Our focus was on discerning God's will in the Bible. And by that, I, I meant that we really try to put a lot of emphasis on, on reason and using our reason to discern how God spoke to us through the Bible, almost to the extreme. In fact, some people were explicit in this, that the only way that God spoke to us was was from the Bible. And so we were very wary, skeptical of someone that would claim to have some particular type of spiritual experience, uh, or especially if they claimed that God had spoken to them in some way. Uh, you know, we thought that the miraculous gifts of the Spirit, like speaking in tongues and prophecy, all these things were, were things of the past. And we tended to relegate things like Oh, demon possession or any kind of overt spiritual activity to the past as well is something that would have been uh, coming to an end at the end of the first century. And so we didn't even put a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit as God's real presence among us. Angels and demons and things like that got even less attention. Well, Joel Beam's books set out to correct that and, and wanted to say, hey, we haven't been right about this. I, I give him credit for writing a book that was probably very controversial. It was controversial during that time, and maybe less so today because those of, those of us in Churches of Christ are more comfortable talking about these things and acknowledging the real experiences of others. Uh, we may still have a little bit of that skepticism in us that kind of runs in our DNA. Uh, it's not all that's unhealthy, uh, you know, but I, I think it did limit us in, in a lot of ways. And, of course, many of you listening to this, maybe even most of you listening to this, may not be from a Church of Christ background. You can just regard this part of the story. I'm, I'm just giving you some context for how I kind of entered into uh, this idea of spiritual warfare. And, and really, in hindsight, I can look back on that and say that downplaying the real activity of the supernatural was at home with our modern and scientific worldview. And of course, society as a whole had moved past that worldview into a postmodern worldview by the late 90s. And that was in part, that postmodern worldview, a reaction against an overly rationalistic view of modernity, which had impacted the way that we uh, all experienced our, our faith. But regardless of wherever society happened to be and what it happened to be emphasizing at that time, there was no excuse as Christians to not deal seriously with the biblical worldview that assumed the very real activity of spiritual forces in our world. And the Bible gave no expiration date on that activity. The Apostle Paul emphasized that reality in many places, and especially in passages like, like this in Ephesians 10, I'm sorry, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. This is from the New Living Translation. A final word, be strong in the Lord, and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. 
For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We could, um, I'm sure, quibble about which translation is best, but I think all of them would indicate that there is a reality of spiritual warfare that we are not fighting against flesh and blood, that ultimately we are engaged with enemies that we cannot see, and therefore we cannot engage them like we would a, a mortal enemy. And so the Bible as a whole does not invite much speculation about how these spirits and forces work. Uh, I will just kind of pause on that point for a moment to say that I think that part of what some that are are concerned about that don't want to emphasize this part of what it means to be a Christian is that they, they have seen abuses. They have seen people that see a demon around every corner and who, and who hurt other people uh, by over-speculation and blaming everything on a demon and every sickness on a demon. I'll get into that in a little bit. I, I just wanted to pause and emphasize that point uh, that the Bible really doesn't encourage that type of speculation, even though it assumes the very real activity of spiritual forces in the world. And it calls on Christians to understand that we cannot wage battle in worldly ways against spiritual enemies. 2 Corinthians 10.3, this time I'm reading from the NIV, says, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Now, the Bible generally, and specifically the New Testament, paints a picture of a spiritual battlefield where the hearts and minds of every human being is at stake. And in this battle, the body, our physical body, cannot escape it because death and all that comes with it is Satan's main play against those who are created in God's image. And God's ultimate counter is not only the resurrected Christ, but the resurrection of the body, our bodies, that we will all undergo at the end of time. Again, I'll pause on that point for just a moment because some people are surprised by that. Some Christians. I just talked to a Christian recently who was surprised by this, that had been a Christian for decades. They, we need to understand. Go read 1 Corinthians 15. Hang out there. Read it again and again. There are many other places you could read about the resurrection of the body, but hang out in 1 Corinthians 15 and, and understand that Christianity has never just been about escaping the body or being disembodied as some kind of spirit or ghost for eternity. Jesus' victory over death is so sweeping that we will be given immortal bodies like his which are resurrected from the bodies that Satan thought he had claimed in death. So even though I'm, my body is going to be different, it's going to be glorified, it is still connected to that body that looked like it was defeated when I died, when I decay, when we all go through that experience. It looks like it's all over, but we know that is all reversed when we are raised from the dead at the end of time. So then, in this general struggle of the body with mortality, we feel the impact of spiritual warfare, whether we realize that is what is happening or not. But what about chronic illness and pain specifically? I want to focus on that a little bit. And this goes to some of the abuse I, I mentioned earlier. I, I saw a mother complaining on, I believe it was on Twitter, about 
someone that had recently told her it was her fault that her child had autism. Why was it her fault? Well, because she wouldn't simply re renounce the demonic power that caused it. And if she would do this, her child would be healed. There's so much wrong with that kind of statement and that kind of thinking that I really don't have time to debunk it all in, in, a, in this podcast. It would be beyond uh, the scope. We could, we could attack that on three or four different ways just from how the Bible would refute that kind of mentality. But here's something I will say. Jesus met multiple parents uh, with uh, children who were demon-possessed. Uh, Paul also met, well, Paul didn't meet meet a the parents, but he did meet a child that was being used as a, um, as a not a prophet, it's not the word I'm looking for, but as a fortune teller uh, in the book of Acts. Um, but Jesus himself met with, with a couple different parents. He also met with another, uh, you know, a person, I think he had a servant that had this condition. And in none of the cases did Jesus ever blame the parents. He did heal them from the demon possession, but he wasn't blaming any. We don't know why that happened to those kids or adults for that matter. But of course, to assume that someone has an illness due to demonic possession or influence is far beyond the speculation that the Bible itself calls for. And then on top of that, to assume that only an exorcism or some similar demonic confrontation will heal a person is an unwarranted assumption. It's just not true. There were actual demonic possessions and sometimes physical afflictions that came with that in the New Testament. But apparently there were also plenty of physical ailments that Jesus confronted that had no explicit connection to demonic activity. Most famously, and this of course is an Old Testament story, but Satan attacked Job's body with boils uh, from his head to his foot that nearly drove him to despair of life itself. Though he would not do as his wife tried to get him to do, curse God and die. So he was, that's why I say he was near despair. I think you could say he was despairing or completely discouraged, but there was one step he would not take. He stayed faithful to God, even in his anger, even in his discouragement. There's a similar passage, and it, or at least a similar themed passage in 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul mysteriously calls his thorn in the flesh a messenger of Satan. He says it was given to torment him. And so Satan is in some way involved in whatever is happening to Paul. We assume some kind of physical ailment. It, it seems clear to me that in some cases, Satan and his agents can inflict physical harm on someone. However, Paul knew this from a unique kind of vision. Paul talks about this vision that was given to him. I don't think it is common for a Christian to experience what Paul experiences that he describes in 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, so it's not given to most of us to, to have this kind of insight that Paul does. That may just be Paul's privilege as an apostle, um, or maybe because he needed to share part of this with his audience in the Corinthian, to the Corinthians that Paul granted him this, uh, we, we don't know for sure. Look, my best guess, guess is that most of our chronic illness, uh, illnesses and even pain that is caused through injuries are not related to a direct attack from malevolent spiritual beings. We cannot rule it out. But there are a lot of other reasons why we may experience illness and pain, including genetics and environmental factors. Uh, 
and accidents. I'm sure there are other things we could come up with. These are related to spiritual war in that they are the result of a fallen world, which in turn require the victory of Christ that will be consummated at the end of time. But the only place where I am familiar with instruction that asks us to consider the spiritual causes of our illness is in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, first, first letter, well, at least the first letter we have, when he tells them that some have become sick and have even fallen asleep. In other words, they've died because they are taking communion in such an irreverent way. The actual language is an unworthy manner. A lot of people misunderstand what that means, by the way, but that's, that's, uh, that's, there'll be, that's for a different time, different topic. But the solution there was not some kind of exorcism to fight off spiritual attacks, but rather repentance. They needed to repent of their sin. That was what was causing them to get sick and some of them even to die. Also, there's the passage in James 4, 13 and following where, where James calls on those who are sick to pray and they are to seek the anointing prayers. In other words, anointing in prayer of the elders. Um, I think we have every reason to take that literally and should do that. And, and to confess sin to one another. Uh, they, they're not all the same thing, but they're all kind of grouped together, and they all kind of revolve around this idea that we're unwell or we're sick. And, and there is a, uh, a promise of healing here. And I think that this is what spiritual war, warfare looks like when we fight back. I think it looks like, oh, by the way, this also an instruction to sing in this place, you know, in this very passage. So singing praise to God, confession to one another, praying and praying for one another, and even bringing in the elders to pray, your your church authorities, your church shepherds to anoint you and pray over you. So it doesn't look like a, an exorcism or having to name a particular demon by a particular name or anything like this. Um, if that happens, I am not aware of where that takes place in the Bible. Certainly there are people who where they cast out demons in the name of Jesus, and we see this take place. In a case of demon possession today, that certainly may be required, but that is something different than just dealing with a physical illness. Uh, I would caution us against going that approach for something like a chronic illness or a, you know, what is ultimately an autoimmune disease or a genetic disease or something that was caused by an injury and rebuking some demon that has a particular name as the cause of that. And, um, I still retain some of that skepticism maybe that I grew up with. And I am not wanting to be, um, what's the word, sectarian is the word I'm looking for. Kind of the, you know, the the partisanship that we see in churches sometimes where we, you know, I'm not trying to denounce any other church group or anything like that. But I am warning against abuses that presume to know more than we can really know. And instead want to point us to the scriptural instruction of going to a place like James and praying and singing, and anointing, and confessing, uh, that this looks like, this is what spiritual warfare looks like. And I hold on to the promise that even if my sickness does not go away, in other words, I do all that and I don't experience physical healing, I realize that creates um, some um, um, discomfort, you know, regarding where we are with our faith and why didn't we get healed? Doesn't James say we'll be healed? Okay, 
But James does not literally mean that every person of all time will always be healed from, from their illness in that moment. Clearly, the people in the, the time of James died eventually of sickness of some kind or, or, you know, they got ill, they got old and they died, even if they were healed at that time. And, and so I recognize that that James is speaking of our approach and what our faith should be. He's not guaranteeing physical healing of every disease or every injury is always going to happen. And if we believe that, and that's not our experience, then of course, we're going to question our faith or question God, maybe even lose our faith altogether. We need to read these things with going back to our mind. We talked about earlier, the reason uh, that we have to understand what James was saying. I do hold on to the promise that James says in verse 15, the very kind of the back end of that, where it says the Lord will make the sick person well. Hold on to the promise where he says the Lord will raise him up. Because I, I think that implies more than just being healed from an illness. James is, is not promising universal instant healing for all who pray, but I do believe he is promising that God will leave none behind. And, and that's what matters to me. I'm not abandoned. God is with me. God is with you. All those who turn to him in faith. You know, Satan's greatest attack uh, against us will, will not be physical suffering. You know that that that's something Satan can do, but it doesn't really win him any any points. In fact, it can even backfire against him because a lot of times people in physical suffering turn toward God. So that's really Satan uses physical suffering, but that's not really his goal. Rather, his goal is what he whispers in our ears because of that suffering. How he gets us to try to doubt our own faith or God or our, or God Himself. But when we turn to God in prayer, and especially with each other, we can't really make out a word that Satan is saying to us because our focus is elsewhere. We tune him out. And that, my friends, is meaningful spiritual warfare that results in certain victory. I don't necessarily anticipate that I'm going to pray on every every podcast uh, that I do. Not that there would be anything wrong with that, um, but uh, I, I may just save it for special occasions. And I, I think today, as we've talked about prayer, we talked about spiritual warfare, I'd like to offer a prayer uh, for those who are listening today who are struggling with this issue uh, as a way of asking you and reminding you to enjoin that, that spiritual battle again through prayer. So let's, let's do that, and then I'll, I will close this out for this episode of In the Seams. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne uh, today. I don't know when each person may listen to us, whether it's early in the morning or late at night or on the road or while they're working out or whatever the case may be. God, when each person listens, listens to this, this podcast and they listen to this prayer, I pray that they envision coming before your throne, your throne of grace, which is made possible because of the great high priest who has gone in before us and made a way through his once for all sacrifice for our sins that cleanses us and makes us whole, that we may stand in your presence with confidence before your throne of grace. And God, I just want to pray for each person, each person that is suffering from some kind of physical uh, disability or some kind of ailment or pain that is caused through a chronic condition that has held sway on them for a long time. God, of course, I pray for people's healing. Pray for my own healing as I battle with, with a chronic illness and disease. And we believe that you have the power to do that. And we believe, God, that there are seasons where we may need to seek that. I also believe, God, there are seasons where we, we seek acceptance. 
uh, where we recognize that right now the answer is that we're not going to be healed physically. And so we ask you to help us live faithfully uh, with the illness that we have. And that is also the prayer for myself uh, today because I, I have accepted, God, that I have this disease. And at this time, it has not been your will to heal me. Um, I've prayed for that many times, and I know many people listening have prayed for that. God, I pray that they not listen to anything Satan says to them about that. I pray, God, that they do not think that somehow they are a lesser Christian because they suffer. And God, in reality, God, those that are telling them that they are, are showing their own spiritual immaturity that they need to deal with. We pray that they will. But God, we pray um, that Satan not prevail in his plans against us, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, whatever the case may be. And that we constantly are drawn to you through what we experience in this life, including our suffering. And that all of Satan's plans backfire against us, God. That instead of tempting us or being successful in tempting us, he causes us to draw closer to you and to know you more and to know uh, Jesus more through the suffering that we experience. That that actually helps us to identify more of Jesus. And God, that we might be able to be uh, of help to other people. Uh, who are going through this or maybe earlier in the journey and not yet accepted the, that that's where they are, that I pray, God, that because of what we've gone through, that we can be empathetic and comfort others through the comfort that you have given us. So, Lord, be with us, and thank you for this time that we've had uh, today. And, uh, God, we just praise your name. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope that's been of some encouragement uh, to you in your own battle. And, and that's just one prayer offered up in faith, but uh, offer up your own and have others to pray for you as well. That's a, an important aspect of this spiritual battle um, that we are all engaged in. And we need to be engaged in because Satan is whether we are or not. And, and, and so uh, we will have a, a, another episode later this month. In the meantime, I encourage you to find us on Facebook, and we have a, a page in a group under Broken and Mended, and so you can go to brokenandmended.com to find the links from our, our website, uh, and um, I hope you'll do that, and whatever the case, whether I see you in social media or back on the podcast, I'll see you soon, and hope that you have a, a blessed time in between these these times that we meet together here 